Chapter Three of the Harbor. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. The Harbor by Ernest Poole. Chapter Three. You too, said Sue, when at last her friends had gone away, have built up a wall of contentment around you a person couldn't break through with an axe. Have a little, I suggested. Stay all night, said Eleanor. No thanks, said Sue. I promised Dad that I'd be home. And then instead of going home she sprawled lazily on the sofa with her head upon one elbow, and settled in for some talk. But her talk was different tonight. She usually talked about herself, but tonight she talked of us instead, of our contemptible content. And presently through her talk I felt that she had some surprise to spring. In a few moments Eleanor felt it too. I could tell by that vigilant way she kept glancing up from her knitting. I think, I was remarking, we're a pretty liberal-minded pair. That's it, said Sue, you're liberals. What utter disdain she threw into the word. And what's more, you're citizens. In all these movements, she went on, you always find two classes, citizens and criminals. You two are both born citizens. What's the difference? I inquired. Citizens, said Sue impressively, are ready to vote for what they believe in. Criminals are ready to get arrested and go to jail. Eleanor looked up at her. Who gave you that? she asked. Sue looked a little taken back, but only for a moment. One of the criminals, she said. Her voice was carefully casual now, but her eyes were a little excited. He's a man who made up his mind that he wanted to get away down to the bottom, and see how it feels to be down there. So he took the very worst job he could find. For two years he was a stoker, on ships of all kinds, all over the world. And now that he knows just how it feels, he has an office down on the docks where he's getting the stokers and dockers together, getting them ready for a strike on your beloved harbor. Joe Kramer, said Eleanor quietly. Sue gave a sudden nervous start. Eleanor, she severely rejoined, sometimes you're simply uncanny, the way you quietly jump at a thing. Eleanor had gone on with her knitting. I rose and lit a cigarette. I could feel Sue's eyes upon me. So this was her infernal surprise, J.K. banging into my life again. How long has Joe been here? I asked. About five months, Sue answered. He might have looked me up, I said. He doesn't want to look anyone up. I've only seen him once myself. He has simply buried himself down there. Why don't you go and see him, Billy? she added, with a quick glance at Eleanor. He won't amuse you the way we do. He's one of the real criminals now. Still Eleanor did not look up. What's his address? I asked gruffly. Sue gave it to me and good-humoredly yawned and said she must be getting home. "'Good night, dear,' said Eleanor. She had risen and come to the door. "'What a love of a hat you're wearing. It's a new one, isn't it? I caught sight of it in the parade.' But the smile which my tall sister threw back at us from the doorway had nothing whatever to do with hats. It said as plainly as in words, "'Now, you cozy liberals, go over and touch that spot if you dare.' When she had gone I took up a book and tried to read, but I soon gloomily relapsed. Would J.K. never leave me alone? 
What was he doing with my harbor? Why should I look him up, confound him? He hadn't bothered his head about me. But I knew that I would look him up, and would find him more disturbing than ever. How he did keep moving on. No, not on, but down, down. Until now he had bumped the bottom. Are you going to see him? Glancing sharply up I saw Eleanor carefully watching my face. Oh, I suppose so, I replied. She bent again to her knitting. He must be a strange kind of person, she said. End of chapter 3 Recording by Tom Weiss